ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Uh, in summary, uh, disappointing result uh, in regards to Eddie. I think we've come to a, a sensible conclusion, uh, both for Eddie and for, for Rugby Australia. Uh, we have a plan. We announced a plan in August uh, and we'll continue on that path uh, to execute, execute that plan. Uh, financially, uh, we're in a, 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 a challenge position, uh, but we do have a path forward on, on the finances. Uh, and most importantly, as a game, we need to come together uh, and unite. Rugby Australia has had an up-and-down 12 months. Here's a brief catch-up if you've missed it. They hired Eddie Jones, who changed up the Wallaby squad significantly. Then they had a historically bad World Cup performance. Eddie Jones then left and almost immediately started a new job, coaching Japan, and now they've hired Kiwi Joe Schmidt to lead the Wallabies. Heck. Add into the mix the financial struggles of a number of Super League teams and the national team, and Rugby Australia have themselves a headache. How can RA start an upward trajectory both on and off field? Is Schmidt the right person to lead them back into the light? And could Rugby Australia seriously be considering selling the Wallabies to private equity? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Tom Deeson is a rugby writer for the Sydney Morning Herald and Tom, Wallabies fans might look at the appointment of Joe Schmidt with some optimism, but before people get too excited, there are some issues with Australian rugby that a shiny new coach can't fix right off the top, money being a big one. How much trouble is Rugby Australia in financially? Yeah, look, a fair amount. Clearly, there's a lot being made of rugby's finances in Australia over the last few years. Late last year, look, Rugby Australia, they, you know, avoided insolvency and secured an $80 million loan over the next five years. So that will sort of bail them out a little bit with a few big ticket events. The British and Irish Lions series next year and a, a Home World Cup in 2027. But yeah, clearly the finances of some super rugby franchises at the moment. Australia has five teams and, and they're very much under the microscope at the moment. So trying to generate interest in a code and super rugby at the moment, given what happened last year with the Wallabies has been a challenge. Aussie rugby hits rock bottom. The Wallabies World Cup dream has become an absolute nightmare. But Look, this isn't a new one as well. And Rugby Show will have to make some tough calls over the next few years. Australian Rugby went back from five to four teams with the cutting of the Western Force in 2017. COVID brought everyone back together in the same room. But I would love to know privately whether Rugby Australia truly believes that long term it is financially viable to have five teams. Are there solutions for these financial problems? Like what could it mean for Rugby Australia and the Super Rugby competition if they do look to sort of fix these problems in the short term? Yeah, like, I mean, private equity is obviously being discussed. Rugby Australia was very deep in those conversations last year and they didn't come to fruition. Hamish McLennan, the chairman, is now not there. So that uh, won't sort of come to be on that front. Yeah, they have gone down the sort of loan avenue. Um, look, Super Rugby franchises are doing various things at the moment. The Waratahs have come under the Rugby Australia banner. So they've come in the tent and are, and are being helped out there. Look, the Brumbies are exploring private equity. The you know Melbourne Rebels have... Got some difficulties there as well. Um, look, it's, it's not an easy solution, as simple as it is. You know, people going to the rugby, buying season tickets, these are the things that will help grow the game. But I think it is, it, I can't overstate the importance of the next two to three years in the Australian rugby landscape. With a Home World Cup coming up, 
if the game doesn't get afloat then and, and have interest and eyeballs on that product, then post-2027, who knows how the code will be in the future. You've touched on the issues of the Super Rugby teams, the Brumbies and the Rebels in particular, struggling to keep their heads above water. What does this say about our national competition just a month or so before that season kicks off? Yeah, 100%. And it's an issue that will, will dominate headlines over the next few months. And look, whether the casual fan or not cares is is one thing as well. Like Super Rugby finances are a, pretty, a bit of a rabbit hole going into them and talking about debt and loans and all the rest. But yeah... Russell and rugby fans are struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. And, you know, the Wallabies are a huge part of that that story. And what happened last year was obviously pretty tough. And that has a flow-down effect to super rugby franchises who are trying to sell memberships and tickets and, and drum up interest in a, um, a competition that I think even by its own admission in its sort of form now, Super Rugby Pacific, they haven't totally nailed it. I mean, there's obviously Kiwi sides, Australian sides, Fiji and Jura, Moana, Pacifica. I don't think the competition is exactly where it needs to be as well. What does that look like long-term? Does Japan come into the mix? And the really hard thing for Australian rugby fans is that they have to play the Kiwis all the time and keep losing. So, <laughs> And a comfortable win for the Blues. They have beaten the Waratahs at Eden Park. Job done, 55-21. If you have the NRL or the AFL, you're always going to get Australian teams winning, whereas Super Rugby doesn't have that luxury because the Kiwis are so good at rugby. So that's a problem that does plague Australian super rugby teams who, um, yeah, win rates haven't been great over the last few years. Financial troubles are probably also being compounded, as you've touched on, by well-documented on-field struggles for the Wallabies. In a time where Rugby Australia needs to be seeing a significant uptick in interest from fans, people going to the rugby and also media rights deals, what does the future look like in terms of potential international fixtures and the likes for the Wallabies? This is the great irony is that the international game is so strong. Um, World rugby is incredibly well resourced. Um, the game up in the Northern Hemisphere is really well liked. New Zealand, South Africa, it's it's booming. And test rugby will be fine. Like the international fixtures won't change. Australia's locked in to play tests in July against Wales. And that's an incredibly important series to, to basically show that Wallabies aren't a basket case and they can get back to winning. So we'll have a new Wallabies coach to do that. But then, yeah, the two huge things on the horizon is a British and Irish line series, which will take place next year in Australia, which happens only every 12 years in Australia. And then a home rugby world cup in 2027. Um, hasn't been in Australia since 2003 when Johnny Wilkinson kicked that drop goal. Australia come back. Here it is for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Heartbreaker for the Wallabies. Seconds remaining. And that surely is the stairway to rugby heaven for England. Yeah, the fixtures will be fine. The Wallabies will play probably 13 to 14 tests next year anyway. So Australian fans will get a lot of eyeballs and that. And, you know, all the polls, you know, when, when rugby fans get polled, show that fans want more fixtures. And the international calendar is pretty crunched, so you can't get more than about 15 at absolute max in a year. But, yeah, look, that will be a constant, but it is trying to keep those not only rusted on fans within rugby and, and watching the Wallabies, it's also trying to attract a new audience, which is a bit of a hard sell given what happened in France last year. How important will good results be in those international fixtures, I guess, to push things forward for Rugby Australia? Incredibly important. Rugby fans are a very fickle bunch. They like winners, and when they're not <laughs> winning, they, they jump off. I can't promise anything other than I'll be working really hard to try to 
make it as successful as it can be and trying to get some early wins on the board and, and those wins may be just that, that we perform better. Like there are so many people who want the Wallabies to do well. Like the number of Australian rugby fans who went to France for that World Cup was actually surprised a lot of the touring media when you hear and talk about the doom and gloom of the code. Like there are so many passionate fans, but they they want to see winners. They were bitterly disappointed with what happened and everybody has their views on Eddie Jones and how that all transpired and the leadership of RA at that period of time. Probably need to give myself another cut, don't I? <laughs> but, Getting back, um, winning, look, a Bledisloe Cup win would completely change the landscape. I truly believe that if the Wallabies could do that, then um, people might feel like it's, you know, 2001 all over again. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Enough doom and gloom. The Wallabies have appointed a new head coach in Joe Schmidt. Why should rugby fans be getting excited about him, aside from the fact that upon a Google search he has no obvious ties to Japanese rugby? <laughs> no, not, no, no Japanese ties. Look, it'll be an interesting encounter when uh, Australia play Japan next year when Joe Schmidt <laughs> goes head-to-head with Eddie Jones and his uh, new Japanese side. Why should fans get excited? I mean, Joe Schmidt said at a press conference last week that he's a boring guy, he's a realist. Dreams are not tangible. Uh, I'm, I'm a pragmatic sort of individual, um, probably characterised as boring. So um, I, I don't have the, 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 probably the charisma that Eddie has. But a very, very, very experienced coach, excellent record. I think he'll bring a degree of stability to the role, very, very detailed, a good man manager. And he's passionate about Australian rugby and it doing well. He said at his press conference that the whole of the world want Australia to do well, like a proud rugby nation, and he's totally right. I'm desperate for the Wallabies to be competitive. And, and if I can help, I'm, I'm here. That's why I'm here. I think the global rugby family is desperate for the Wallabies to be where they need to be. The length of the deal is interesting. He will only be around for 18 months at this stage and they'll sort of reassess after that British and Irish Lions series if he, if he stays on. Does a short-term deal mean that the players won't embrace him totally because they know he's not locked into the next World Cup? But, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there in some capacity in the 2027 World Cup, an assistant, a director of rugby. I think there's a few moving parts, but are very, very excited to get that new coach in. He will start on March 1, our first test against Wales in July and a huge series to try and repay the faith to Australian rugby fans. So all that being said, Tom, can you see a light at the end of this very, very long tunnel for Rugby Australia? I do. I truly do. It'll take some time. There'll be some growing pains. Joe Schmidt has also said that it will take time and Phil War knows that is the case as well. Uh, right now, we're not talking about results. It's actually building a system and, and level of capability right throughout, uh, you know, from, from the Wallabies uh, right through to our pathway system. That 2027 World Cup, albeit a World Cup that no one else bid for, Australia got a bit lucky there to be able to get that hosting rights. But yeah, it's a huge, huge tournament. We saw how big it was in 2003. Rugby fans are there and they just need to be convinced that the Wallabies are worth following and all the other parts of Australian rugby as well, which are yeah, under the microscope at the moment. Tom Decent, thanks so much for your time. No worries. 
headlines. Alex Demenor has been knocked out of the Australian Open overnight in five sets by Russian Andrei Rublev. The Aussie was two sets to one up, but Rublev found another gear to take the final two. Post-match, Demenor was shown being comforted in the cool-down room as he was visibly upset by the result. Pretty decent effort, but it's completely changed because now I'm sitting here and I'm absolutely devastated because I saw it as a as a great opportunity in a match that uh, I strongly believe I, I could have won, but it just slipped away. He was the last remaining Aussie in the singles draw, but still plenty of local talent left in the doubles. Netball and the Diamonds are undefeated in the Netball Nations Cup after an impressive final quarter comeback against the English Roses overnight. Just a difference of two, drawing at so many points in this game. England's out in front, but it is Australia that managed to push it right through to the end taking the win at the Netball Nations Cup here by just two goals. The Australians were trailing after three quarters, but an 18-goal to 14 final term secured their second win of the tournament. They beat New Zealand on Sunday morning Australian time and take on Uganda next weekend before the finals. And Olympic gold medalist Mac Horton has announced his retirement from competitive swimming, saying the hunger was no longer there to compete at the Paris Games later this year. Horton retires with an Olympic gold medal in the 400-metre freestyle at the 2016 Rio Games and a bronze in the 4x200-metre relay in Tokyo. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Mick Radojkovic. Thanks to Stan Sports, Fox Sports and Channel 7 for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.